from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Happy New Year and welcome to Kennedy Classics. Be sure to visit our ministry website where you will find a whole host of useful digital resources. It's all available online at djkm.org. New Year's is a wonderful time to reflect on the previous year and to look forward to a prosperous and bountiful new year. We celebrate by counting down until midnight, watching the ball drop and making New Year's resolutions. Many resolve to make exercise a priority. Others want to cut out unhealthy habits from their life. But most use New Year's resolutions as an attempt to make their upcoming year better than the year before. People simply want to improve themselves. If we're resolving to make a change in our life that will better us, maybe we should start with our resolve to serve Christ. While volunteering, giving to the poor, and helping the needy are all good things that might make us feel better, in and of themselves, those good works don't have any eternal significance. It's only in Christ where those works find their true value. The scriptures tell us it's not by good works that we are saved, but rather it is through faith in Christ and God's amazing grace. Dr. Kennedy shares more about this in his message, Christians and Resolutions. May we turn, please, in our Bibles to the third chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcise the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, but what things were gain to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection 
and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And may God speak to us today through this portion of his holy word. May his name ever be praised. Amen. When you consider it, it's really amazing. In fact, it's virtually astonishing. Let me read the words again and see if you pick up on it. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Did you pick it up that time? This is a statement made by Paul, the apostle. Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul, the prisoner for Jesus Christ. Paul, the aged. Now do you see it? Paul, who has come almost to the end of his ministry. Many and many a year has gone by since he was confronted by that vision of Christ outside the wall of Damascus and heard the words, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And many a lash had since cut into his flesh, many a stone had caused his bones to shudder, many a night had been spent in prison, many a day and a night in shipwreck. And now at last he's coming to the end, but not quite. It will still be a little while before they take him out of another Roman prison and lead him out along the Appian Way, and then the headsman's axe will flash in the Roman sun, and Paul the Apostle will put on immortality. But not quite yet. Now, what is so astonishing? What is the habit of old people? Why, they're mostly all the same. They live the declining years of their life in the rearview mirror. They're always thinking about and talking about the past. Why, Sonny, when I, when I was your age, we didn't have things so easy. Why, well, walked to school every day through deep snow six miles, and I walked home six miles through deep snow and and it was it was uphill both ways <laughs> yes indeedy not paul forgetting those things which are past 
and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can't you just see the runner as he's coming to the last few yards of his race and he's stretching out just another half inch that he might reach the ribbon first? That was Paul, and that is astonishing. Which of you is like that? Which of us is like that? That's how we ought to be. Throw away the rearview mirror and fix your eyes upon the future upon the glory that lies ahead. That's what Paul is telling us from his prison cell. And I think that's what God is telling us as a new year, bright and clean and pure, with all of its marvelous potentialities, opens up before us. The Romans had a a name for New Year's, They called it Memento Mori, a remembrance of death. And you know, the old year is pictured as a doddering old man who is staggering into oblivion, while the new year is pictured as a bright young baby with all of the potentialities of new life. Well, in spite of all of that, it's interesting that uh, people throughout the nation do make resolutions. They're going to do better. And I'm sure there's some of you that say, well, Christians shouldn't be involved in that sort of stuff anyway. That's, that's worldly. Why, that's salvation by works. Well, we certainly don't believe in that. Salvation is a free gift. And if you were understanding at all what I read in the third chapter of Philippians, you'll see that what Paul was talking about all through the first part of that was how he no longer trusts in his religiosity and his morality and his piety, but he counts all those things as dung that he might be found in Christ, not clothed in his own righteousness, which comes from our vain attempt to keep the law, which none of us does, but clothed in the perfect white righteousness of Jesus Christ. But then, he says, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. It's true that most Americans have got the cart in front of the horse when it comes to salvation. They think that they're going to be saved by their good works. We know that that's not true. We're saved by grace through faith. Yet the problem is there are many church members that think they've got the cart and horse problem all solved. The problem is they unhitched the cart. There's nothing back there. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, says Ephesians. So, let me ask another question. What did you accomplish last year for Christ?
Many people resolve to do nothing and succeed perfectly. A lot of people, what they do is they take the dart of their life and they throw it at the barn wall and then seeing where it lands, they paint a beautiful bullseye all around it and say, what an excellent shot I am. Most people aren't pressing toward the mark. They're just drifting down the stream. What did you accomplish for Christ last year? Now, it is true that many people in business do make a lot of purposing. They make a lot of resolutions. They have long-range plans and mid-range plans and short-range plans, and they work at them. And many of them they do accomplish. But what about the spiritual world? What kind of plans, purposes, and resolutions did you make there? It was about this time of year because it was the Rose Bowl many years ago. In fact, it was 1938. Roy Regal wasn't used to getting his hands on the ball, but it was a fumble, and he picked it up, and he started running. And this was his glorious opportunity at the Rose Bowl. He had the ball, and he turned and twisted out of the hands of one tackler. He was hit by two more. He spun somehow out of their hands, and then another one, another twist, and he finally found himself in open territory. And with his feet pounding and his heart pounding almost as hard, he was charging down toward the goal with 100,000 people screaming at the top of their lungs. And finally, he crossed the goal line only to hear the words, you're going the wrong way. And wrong way regals went down in history with wrong way Corrigan that flew an airplane the same way. And folks, there are a lot of people they are making a lot of plans, a lot of purposes, but they're going the wrong way. And believe me, when they get to the finish line, they won't like what's waiting for them. But do you really think, Pastor, that Christians ought to be making resolutions? Well, I absolutely do. The Bible talks about things like resolve. It talks about purposing. Paul says, I have purposed, not with a carnal purpose, but with a spiritual purpose. Many times says that, I have determined to do so and so. I determined to come unto you. You see, it really is the Christians that ought to be making New Year's resolutions, not the world, though they're the ones that do it. Why? For the simple reason that the Christians are the only ones that have any chance of fulfilling the resolutions, because the world is in bondage. The natural man is a bond slave to sin. 
And therefore, his resolutions rarely ever see the first day of February. But a Christian has been set free. Shackles are broken at Calvary. A Christian is the only one who is empowered to be able to resolve for Christ and then be given the power of God to fulfill those resolutions. Dear friend, you ought to be making resolutions. The Christian life begins with a resolution. Repentance is a determination to turn from sin and to follow Jesus Christ. And as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, which is a continual repenting of sin and determining to follow Christ in all of the ways of new obedience. But that needs to be clearly conceived of, understood, and practiced. Jesus summed it all up, I think. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I always remember the admonition of Spurgeon, who said that Christ never told us to seek the kingdom of God. And you know, he's right. Christ never told us to seek the kingdom of God. He told us to seek it first. You have your priorities. Jesus has told you what number one is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We're so worried about all these things that we put the kingdom of God way down here. The result is we don't begin to have all of the things that God is more than willing to give unto us. And we miss out on the blessings of seeking the kingdom of God. There it is. Spiritual purposing. I purposed, not carnally, said Paul, but spiritually. Now there are many facets to the kingdom of God. But I would suggest a couple that you might want to make part of your resolutions for this year. And certainly at the top of that list, I would put your own personal devotion time that you determine and you purpose and you resolve that you're going to spend time with Christ, time reading his word, time going to him in prayer, that that quiet time is the essence of the Christian life. Without that, you'll never amount to anything in God's kingdom. May I suggest a second thing? Christ gave us in his first and last commandment that we should be sharing the gospel with other people. So determine that this year you're going to witness for Christ. I hope you'll determine that you're going to witness to someone every week. If you don't know how to do that, you ought to learn how, and we're more than happy to train you. Finally, a lot of you have been thinking for years about beginning to get legal. 
with God and to stop robbing him. As the Bible says, we are cursed with a curse because we have robbed God. And how have we robbed him? In tithes and offerings. But he has promised to take care of those who are faithful to him, who are his own. Several suggestions for resolutions for those who determine with Paul that they are going to forget those things which are behind and stretch forth, pressing unto the mark for the prize. What is the first and greatest commandment? To love God with all of your heart and all of your strength and all of your mind, and all of your soul. If you do that, then all of the other things are secondary to the kingdom of God. I am resolved to follow Jesus. I am resolved to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. May we pray. Heavenly Father, O God, by your Holy Spirit, place within our hearts a great yearning, a great desire to follow Jesus Christ. Help us to remember that we live in a world where every year thousands are being tortured and killed for no other reason than that they trust in thee and they're willing to give their lives. Oh, Father, how little we give. How small is the commitment of most in America. What will it take to create such a resolve to follow thee? In thy name we pray. Amen. Have you begun making New Year's resolutions? Well, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, make the resolution to come to Him now. Don't begin another year trusting in your own efforts to get to heaven, hoping that your good would somehow outweigh your bad. Because you know what? It doesn't. There's no amount of good that could ever compare to the perfect Son of God dying on the cross for your sins and mine. He alone could pay the penalty that we owe for our sins. You see, God is merciful and He doesn't want to punish us, but He's also just and He must punish sin. So you see, we have a problem unlike any other problem that we've ever encountered. But God, in His infinite mercy, sent His only Son to die on the cross for us. And now we can know peace with God. We receive this gift by faith, which simply means that we place our trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone and His death and resurrection. If you'd like to receive the free gift of eternal life, we can go to God together in prayer right now saying, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. I ask you to forgive me for my sins for which I am so sorry. I want to begin this new year following you. Please grant me the free gift of eternal life. In your name I pray, amen. 
If you just prayed that prayer, then here's what Jesus Christ says. Whoever believes in me has everlasting life. To help you to grow in your new faith, we want to send you Beginning Again, a special book for new believers. Read it and you'll be encouraged. To receive your gift, just write to our address or call our toll-free number and ask for Beginning Again. God bless you as you begin this new year as a follower of Jesus Christ. Dr. Kennedy asks an important question. Are you resolved? Are you ready and willing to wholeheartedly serve God and His kingdom? We are living in a world of bondage and sin, and Christians must be resolved to do the work of Christ and spread His truth to the ends of the earth, since Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. One of Dr. Kennedy's most famous books is titled, Truths That Transform, and it is filled with the sort of life-changing, world-transforming truth that has revolutionized countless lives. This book examines key principles of Christian doctrine, such as holiness, Christ's return, eternal security, heaven, and much more, all in easy-to-read language. Dr. Kennedy himself wanted to make sure people always had access to this book, and so we have newly republished it. We will be happy to send you a copy of this classic, Truths That Transform, as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 888-332-3069, or you can go online to djkm.org. As you give, you will also be helping us launch our most exciting new initiative in years, the D. James Kennedy Center for Christian Leadership. Operated out of our Center for Christian Statesmanship on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., this initiative will identify future Christian leaders with great potential and train them in biblical worldview as well as practical skills to make them effective in government. Can you imagine the impact of 300 new Christian leaders every year for the next decade? That's our goal, and we need your help to achieve it. We also need you to help us finish the 2017 calendar year in the black. So please let us hear from you before midnight on December 31st. If you're able to give a generous donation of $75 or more, we will send you the book Truths That Transform plus the audiobook version. This six CD audiobook is the perfect way for you to listen to this great content while on the go. That's the book Truths That Transform plus the audiobook as our thanks for a generous donation of $75 or more. Or we will send you the book alone for a donation of any amount to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. Have a very happy new year, and we'll see you next time. 
Today's program is available on DVD or audio CD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.